Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to the Fullcast and Crew podcast. I'm your host, Jason Silo. And today it is the end of summer. That's what we are mourning slash celebrating here on the pod. Summer's over. Fall is here. Back to school. Back to life. Back to reality. Other lyrics from 90s slow jam dance hits. Now, you know, on the podcast here, I don't have to have all the good ideas. Some of them can be yours. Plenty of them could be yours. Bring them forth. The whole reason I'm recording this podcast today is because one of you had an idea. I had comically posted the poster for Ur skiing film Aspen Extreme, to which Joseph Heath responded, how about a mini episode? To which I responded, mini episode? Aspen Extreme requires a multi-parter. Well, okay. I was being hyperbolic. It doesn't require a multi-parter, but it is worth, it turns out, an episode, mini or other. I'm not sure how long it'll end up being. But I re-watched Aspen Extreme, which is a film I frequently reference with a sort of 1993 tongue firmly in cheek. So I was excited to rewatch it because also it does kick off fall and winter for me. It's a film that changes the seasons as I watch it. Now, come to find out, I was pleasantly surprised that after quoting this film for 20 some years, I'm fond of Paul Gross's line to Carl, who runs the ski school at Aspen, when the Paul Gross character, TJ, has had a particularly tough run of life as a ski instructor, as a qualifier for the Powder 8 competition, as a failed boyfriend to local town DJ Terry Polo. He says to Carl, lamenting the difficulty of navigating life off the slopes, the immortal line, skiing's the easy part, Carl. So I'm, I'm fond of quoting that comically. But guess what? It turns out when I rewatch this film, it's pretty fucking good. It's actually a good movie. It's a really good movie that happens to be set in the world of Aspen and skiing. And it is far better than the sex comedies that pass for the majority of ski movies. And we'll talk about the difference of the genres of the different types of ski movies and get into this film. Aspen Extreme is a film from 1993. It stars Peter Berg and Paul Gross, who I mentioned, who's a Canadian actor. He's quite good, I have to say. He's kind of a Canadian Ken Wall. That's how I would classify him. Very good looking guy. Very competent actor. Very, um, very wry and also emotional. He, he's got all the gears. Like I was really impressed with his performance in this film watching it over again. So Aspen Extreme was written and directed by Patrick Hasberg, who the film's events closely mirror a foundational moment in his life. And, you know, Aspen over the years has meant many different things. I think right now it basically is a stand-in for ridiculously wealthy culture. But let's remember that in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, it was much more of a counterculture vibe uh, with the dark side attendant in any environment that has pleasure seekers, 
um, vagabonds, you know, people pursuing thrills, yes, money, locals in a uh, necessary relationship with wealthy visitors, all of these things that are apparent in any island community ski town that you might care to visit today. So Patrick Hasberg, I don't know much about his, the background of his life, but essentially I'm going to quote from a couple articles here that are very useful for the background of Aspen Extreme. This one was written by Madeline Osberger from the Aspen Daily News in 2019. And Patrick Hasberg told Madeline Osberger, quote, there's, uh, he said, quote, Aspen gave me permission to dream about being a writer. I found my artistic confidence there. I've been a writer now for nearly 40 years, novels, TV, film, etc. There's no way that would have happened had I not rolled into Aspen in 1971, stared up at the mountain, the beauty of the place and said, holy shit, I have to figure out a way to stay here. And so the characters of Dexter Ritecki and TJ are both kind of flip sides of Patrick Hasberg's experience and personality as he experienced Aspen in the 70s. And though the, the movie came out in 93 and feels set very much in that time, I think that the inspiration for it comes from Hasberg's experiences in the 70s. Um, and he had a complicated relationship to the film because it sounds like it was sort of much different in his scripted version than what he ended up being able to release because I don't think he was a very experienced director, but he, you know, was at the whim of the studio. And this is very much Hollywood in the late eighties, early nineties. You've got Bruckheimer Simpson vibes. You've got, uh, you know, you got commerce emerging. Uh, Top Gun is a film this gets mentioned to a lot. In fact, on the poster, I think it says uh, like the Top Gun of ski movies or something. It's it's a completely uh, ridiculous analogy because the films couldn't be really more different. But that was the cheap marketing ploy used, and I think Hasberg ended up feeling like that were that was some of the decisions that were made in cutting the film or cutting out what he perceived to be some of the darker elements. And maybe his script got more into what happens when you arrive in a community like that. And like the Dexter Ritecki character, he gets involved in the drug trade of which there always is one in any of these communities. And in doing so, you know, he, he kind of falls apart. Um, he, I guess I, I guess I should avoid spoilers because I bet a lot of you haven't seen Aspen extreme and I want you to leave this podcast uh, feeling like you want to give it a give it a watch. It'll be well worth it. I, I was surprised that it's as good as it is. It's a very good movie. And it's got comedy. It's got real uh, character depth and and emotion. And yeah, it's got ski movie silliness and villains. And it's got incredible ski footage. We'll talk about that later. So anyway, Hasberg, I think, has had a complicated relationship with the film because I guess when it came out, maybe he was too close to it to ever really feel like he could have done justice to what he wanted to do justice to. He's basically making his Aspen movie about his experiences in Aspen, a community he was a part of at the time. 
And I guess he felt that it didn't really live up to that. He says, quote, in that same article, there is a certain awkward naivete about the film, so much want and dream, so much of what many have when they first roll into a town like Aspen, searching for a future and maybe an identity. So he didn't originally think it was going to become what it's become, but I think he's now at peace with it. And the film, I think, has settled in appreciation. He says in a Ski Magazine piece by Greg Fitzsimmons from uh, last year in June 2021, he says, quote, I like the movie much now better than I did. I hated the movie. I made a movie that was better than the one released, but Disney, which was Hollywood Pictures at the time, was an impossible place to work. I was basically beaten into submission to release a movie that was less provocative and less edgy than the original experience of mine in Aspen and also the original tent of the intent of the movie. Okay, but I mean... I have to take the side a little bit of Disney and Hollywood pictures here because we are making a ski movie. I mean, however deep and dark and, uh, you know, dramatic you may have conceived this to be. I mean, the people putting up the money are going to put butts in seats because it's a ski adventure romantic comedy. So the edginess, you know, I get it. It's not, you know, uh, leaving Los Aspen that we're looking for here. But maybe that's what Patrick Hasberg was looking for in his younger years. He says, quote, the editorial process became nightmarish with Disney, the testing and the audience testing. To me, this is a movie about a guy who came to Aspen and his friend with a drug problem. He was seduced by the dark side of town and found the light bright side of town, too. But Disney kept saying, this movie is Top Gun. Now, Top Gun came out in 1986. This movie came out in 1993. But that shows you some of the influence that Top Gun continued to have as this combination of romance and action and comedy and this was a movie that I think the studio saw very much in the similar vein. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about where Hasberg ended up in his appreciation and thoughts about the film today. But just to run you through a little bit about what I love about this film. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, yes, it's a ski movie, right? So ski movies, um, super listener Frazier, you know, continues to, bait and troll me by saying that hot dog the movie is the greatest ski movie ever made i think he has his tongue firmly in cheek but probably not because i think he's a porky's guy he loves those kinds of late 80s uh silly slash stupid sex comedies and from what i gather i haven't seen hot dog the movie nor do i plan to but i've read about it i watched the trailer and it looks like your basic sophomoric moronic late 80s juvenile porkies on skis. So I can already know that it has nothing in common with the depth and the intelligence of Aspen Extreme. I know you're going to laugh hearing that. But when you watch the movie, you're going to be surprised to find out that it's pretty damn good. It's dramatically compelling. It's a well-written film. It's got great dialogue. It's got great performances. It's got great action performances. And it's got pathos, man. Pathos on two skis. So the story basically is TJ and his friend Dexter, which I'd forgotten this, that the movie opens and they are auto workers in Detroit. <laughs> and there's this great scene of Paul Gross working on the line and uh, they are the hottest skiers on the hill, uh, which is basically a reformed garbage dump turned into a ski slope, which is a real place in Michigan. In one square mile of snow, the beautiful, the rich, 
the famous and the powerful come to escape. It's where the best skiers in the world challenge their skills. And it's the closest two friends from Detroit will ever get to paradise. What do you think? I think we'll be like the Beverly Hillbillies in that place. You read about movie stars and ski magazines and you want to move here. She's staring at you like you're on the menu, T. Get out. They pay you to be ski instructors, right? Hope you guys are good. We're the best skiers on this mountain. Sorry, it's about 100 guys. Maybe two make it till spring. We will make it. I know you're good. I know you work hard. TJ's one of the new guys. I can tell. You gotta be able to ski anywhere, anytime, many conditions. Hi there. My name's TJ. I'll be your ski instructor. I know. I hired you for the day. Part of the job is fulfilling a fantasy. I'm having some friends up to the house tonight. Would you come? And you're the fantasy. He's beautiful. Thank you. This chick's amazing, man. Amazing women are everywhere. Can I buy you a drinker or something sometime? I stopped dating ski instructors when I was 16. I just got here. Give it a chance. You better be willing to go all the way, baby. I like her, all right? Let that one get out, TJ. They'll take away your ski school uniform. She's different. This is Aspen. Things are always different. Skiing out of bounds is illegal, you know. Can you swim? Like a fish. <gasps> Were you with Bryce? Can I explain this? TJ, you'll fit right in, trust me. Take a look at yourself, man. Take a look at yourself! We're the best skier on the mountain. Skiing's the easy part, Carl. Hollywood Pictures presents Aspen Extreme. Dream big or don't dream at all, baby. And this uh, this little clip is the we got to get out of here, man, moment that is the catalyst for setting off the film's events. You want to get out of here? Oh, I can't. I got to string chairs. It's going to be below freezing tonight. They want to start making snow in the morning. No, no, no. I, I don't mean just here. I mean, get out of here, you know, go someplace else. Where, where do you want to go? That's Peter Berg. It doesn't matter where. Who cares? And that's Paul Gross. As long as we're out of here. I mean, Christ, look at this place. What's wrong with you, Bert? X. Every day, people go out there and they do something with their lives. And every day, it isn't you and it isn't me. TJ, we're from Detroit. <laughs> so what? So we are the best skiers on this mountain. This isn't a mountain. So the Wings have a great team this year. They're going to the Cup, and I got tickets. Dexter, the Wings are never going to go to the Cup. And I'm about to close the deal with, with Rita over at Sal's place. Oh, God, Dexter. Whoa, whoa, just because you had her, she's ruined for mankind? I never touched her. Oh, so, oh, you know, here we have your basic scene of two small-town guys contemplating an escape and it leads up to a funny kind of conclusion where you think like well these guys are standing on like a 400 foot hill turned into a one ski run and somehow they're like the hottest backcountry skiers when they get to aspen i'm not quite sure how but uh the, the tj character guess what he wants to be a writer man i got my watch you know what i'm saying i got i got things that i'm gonna do what things things what are your plans? This then? scene also is great because it, 
you know, Paul Gross is so good. Why are you doing this to me? And, and Peter Berg is really good. Because I'm going to leave. He's leaving, man. He's leaving town, dude. He's got to do his thing. And I just, I don't want to do this alone. But he's also got vulnerability. I See? want you to go with me. He needs a friend. Please? He's thinking it over. Okay. All right, he's in. <laughs> Good. Good, let's blow this clam bake. So basically that sets in motion this trip to Aspen and they begin to pursue their life as uh, ski instructors because that's what you do. You hit town and then you get a gig as a ski instructor and your plot and your life sets in motion right there. Now, of course we have romantic conflict here one of the first people they meet is a local radio DJ played by Terry Polo. Also really good. I think of Terry Polo, I think of her as like in Meet the Fockers as probably her most prominent role. Uh, but she's really cool. She's really interesting. She's got kind of a, a sly, smart vibe that works really well in uh, sparking off Paul Gross's character and in the friendship scenes with Dexter she does a pretty good job. So they encounter her and there's some sparks fly, but then the, the machination of the plot takes them to meet uh, Bryce Kellogg, played by Finola Hughes from General Hospital and her incredibly long hair and accent. And the Bryce Kellogg character is the wealthy Aspenite who plucks like a delicious morsel from the candy buffet each season a delectable ski instructor and like a praying mantis she mates and then kills off and makes a new selection the following season so in the amazing scenes in bryce kellogg's aspen mansion which has the most <laughs> coked out late 80s aspen decor i mean there are chairs with like flying gargoyle sides there's that you know that kind of 80s stuff where you'd have like a sculpture slash mannequin of like a butler with a tray right inside the door to a home. She has that kind of stuff. She has this crazy party that she invites the guys to. And this is where we also meet one of my other favorite <laughs> aspects of the film, which is uh, Martin Kemp, Spandau Ballet's Martin Kemp as Franz, who's the, you got to have a bad guy essentially, you know, Nordic slash German Teutonic evil foil for our naive small town guy. So as these guys come into Bryce Kellogg's party, uh, this is where you get the vibe that TJ is being eyed up to replace Franz slash Martin Kemp in the bedroom affections of Finola Hughes. Here, you can check her out here. I think we're available. Sure. She's invited them to the party. And there's just like artwork displayed everywhere randomly. Guys in ponytails, leather jackets, pearls, champagne. And here's Finola. And then we see Franz is eyeing up the new guy. Bryce. Martin Kemp, work in the accent. You go, Martin. Hello, Franz. You know TJ? I've been waiting for you. Are you <laughs> sure you haven't met? Uh, not exactly, but I've seen your picture on a poster. 
TJ's one of the new guys. She says, sipping her champagne. I can tell. I can tell. Look, uh, if I'm in the way here, Don't be right? silly. No, be silly. Du bist Gast hier, Franz. Vergiss das nicht. Last in winter, war ich nicht Gast? The seasons change. Do they? And with that, Franz is kicked to the Teutonic curb of lost romantic assignation. And TJ is ascendant. So, you know, they're going to have their moments as they, um, as they sort of combat for the title of best skier on the mountain. <laughs> uh, and then you get kind of into like a reverse Pygmalion thing with the film where since TJ wants to be a writer, but he's the best small town guy from Michigan who never went to college. Finola Hughes is this worldly experienced financier. She has, you can tell that because she has like four phones in her breakfast area and they ring all the time. And she basically gets on and, you know, barks instructions to move finances around, but, She's supposed to be cultured. TJ, of course, wants to be a writer. And after they finally get together, this is his declaration of intent that we hear. And he is in her insane breakfast nook with the flying Teutonic eagle chairs and fruit sculpture. And you can hear, you know, she's got the financial news on in the background and then the Aspen Mountains are in the backdrop. Um, the film was actually filmed in Aspen and has incredible vistas in nature, which I think is also a part of the ski movie. This is just some bumbling that goes on where he tries to answer the multiple phones. He can't do it. So in the scene, you know, it's establishing his rube-like nature and she will come in and assert her dominant sophisticate nature over the rube and put him kind of in his place, but also believe in him. And I think this is part of what the director was talking about, where he found people in Aspen who were didn't react negatively to the idea. But Bryce enters in wearing a, a riding outfit for some reason. They're not going horseback riding, but she's in full riding costume. Reaches strange bra-like top and this hair, the Fanola Hughes hair, must have been in shirt. What would you like it to bring out in you? What do you mean? Who do you want to be? Well, I'm being it. I'm a ski instructor. That's something you do. I want to know what you want to be. It's deep, right? Well, it's not a bad life, Bryce. You're 25. What happens when you're 40? Thanks. He's saying thank you to the maid, because, you know, he's from Detroit. Nah, forget What? Oh, it's just... Well, one time I, uh... One time I kind of wanted to be a writer. Really? I mean, you know, I wrote some stuff, tried to sell some magazines, but... You know, the thing is, I, I never really went to college, so I never learned how to do it. Do you read? Yeah. Anything that isn't in paperback? No. And guess what? She takes him to the library <laughs> and she gets him a big stack of important books to read. So yeah, now we're into the reverse Pygmalion and TJ is en route to both 
finding, and guess what? Losing a small part of himself along the way. And uh, he has a showdown with Franz in the locker room, the ski instructor locker room, which is, of course, fraught with all sorts of financial. And I actually like this scene because... Those are my clients, Burke. <laughs> what happened was Burke got some clients that are very wealthy, and they tipped him $1,000 at the end of the day, but they used to be Franz's clients because TJ's the hot, new, beautiful guy on the mountain. Oh, come on, you want to split the tip? I don't want to split the tip. Look, I don't know how this works, Franz, but uh, they already booked me. Then let me tell you how it works, asshole. I'm not here for the party. This is my job. Some rookie is not going to move in on it while he's skipping the semester of college. So what's cool about this scene, in a way, is that because I think what Patrick Hasberger is getting at is that there are ski instructors for whom this is a career. This is how they feed their family. And there's a lot of guys that that fly into town and end up you know, working as a ski instructor for a season, but, you know, uh, not take it seriously. And then they depart and they disrupt the life that people like Franz have built. It would have been nice if Franz's character could have been a little bit more fleshed out and they could have given him another dimension rather than just evil Teuton, because I think it would have been cool for him and TJ to sort of find a little bit of uh, common ground together at the end, maybe mutual respect. But of course, it's a shorthand Hollywood Pictures film, so that's where we are. Uh, you know, going from there, uh, TJ, you know, basically begins romances with both the Finola Hughes character and the, the Terry uh, Polo character. And in this... Fireplace. Broadcasting in college, I was going to be the next Jane Pauley. They're talking about their so what happened? Dreams and ambitions. Well, after I graduated, I got a dream job at a major market. Where? In LA. Wow. All they let me do was the traffic report. And the station manager made it quite clear to me that if I slept with him, I could have my own show. But he was lying, so I came home. What about you? Where did you go to college? Light truck assembly plant. Wayne Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> They're good together. I don't know. In a way, I think Aspen's kind of like my college. Really? Are you learning anything? That I want to be more than just a ski instructor, yeah. Hmm, what? If I had gone to college, I wanted to be a writer. By the way, overhead, they have those leather and brass-studded bellows for a fireplace that everybody in the 70s had. Love those. Is that funny? No. It's just that everybody comes to Aspen to be saved or something. It's just a place. Oh, God, man. I, I don't want to be saved. What do you want to write? Well, I don't think it's that simple. I mean, I got to live first. You know, I got I to gotta live the biggest life I can. I got to read everything. I got to meet people. So I have this friend who's been helping me out. That's a very Bryce. bright person. <laughs> it's not a person. It's Bryce Kellogg. <laughs> It's not a person, it's Bryce Kellogg. That's one of the great lines. There's some really funny lines in this movie. I know how it works, TJ. My father was a ski instructor. Ah, see. Well, dad's in a French Alp somewhere, I think. I'm sorry. Gosh, don't be. I hear they have great snow there. (laughs) 
You see, she doesn't date ski instructors because her dad was a ski instructor and he left the family to pursue the life in the French Alps. So that's why she tries to keep arm's length from TJ for quite a while in the film. But of course, the attraction cannot be denied. Also, you know what? This movie's got a pretty good score, I gotta say. Uh, it's scored above its station as, you know, a romantic comedy action adventure ski film. It takes it seriously. And I think that's one of the things that really works about the movie. And so then we head into the off season. And that's where some of the drama happens in sort of the second act of the film. We've got some drama re revolving around Dex, uh, TJ's roommate, who is not as good looking. He's not as effortlessly integrated into the Aspen scene. He starts to have some issues and those issues result in some of the best skiing footage that I think has been put in a movie uh, of its era. And this is where the sort of second genre of ski films comes up because if, you, if you're a skier, if you watch ski films outside of the sort of idiotic sex comedy ski film, there is the whole subgenre of the Warren Miller ski documentaries, which, you know, for, I don't know, 40 years were sort of the industry leading standard. And then there are uh, new ones that are kind of incredible that have been made, you know, since the 2000s, um, which are widely available on places like Netflix and are produced by newer companies that really have pushed the limit in terms of the technology of filming adventure sports, you know, uh, films like unstoppable, which is an incredible movie about, uh, a freestyle skier who, uh, tries to recover from a paralyzing neck injury. So companies like Red Bull and other, um, ski companies have emerged to make these really incredibly filmed, extreme skiing, backcountry skiing documentary films, which is a rabbit hole. I've gone down this rabbit hole. You can see it on Instagram. If you scroll through a couple of years back, I went through a big, big rabbit hole watching a lot of these contemporary ski documentaries and they're great. I mean, they, they feature, you know, the use of pioneering camera technology and things that you see in these movies that end up in feature films uh, as technique, but in Aspen Extreme, which, you know, again, is made in 1992, 1993, there is amazing ski footage, amazing backcountry footage, amazing avalanche sequence. And Hasberg, the director, credits E.J. Forster, who was, um, he's described as a snowmass village instructor, filmmaker, and close friend of Hasberg. And Hasberg says he contributed, quote, much of what was good about Aspen Extreme, including directing the amazing skiing and effects, the avalanche sequence. And these are incredibly well done scenes. They, they hold up today. I looked up E.J. Forster and he's had a career as a second unit director. You know, the person who would typically shoot stuff like that ski footage stuff that doesn't involve your principal protagonists executing dialogue. But he's, it's not like he's a dedicated ski film DP. Uh, so that's even more impressive that he was able to capture this ski footage 
that he was able to capture because it really is something. Uh, there are there's an amazing backcountry skier uh, called Doug Coombs who is used to double for TJ. Uh, he is unfortunately passed away due to backcountry skiing, which is a fairly common occurrence in the world. It's very dangerous and the danger is very real. And there are shots in this film that are still kind of jaw-droppingly insane. There's a there's a ski chase where the TJ character ends up skiing down a frozen waterfall. And it looks like they really did it. Um, so this film, with all of the sort of melodrama and the romance and the small-town comedy stuff, also has incredible backcountry skiing footage in a few places. It's not wall-to-wall. Um, and the... Protagonists are all practicing for an event called the Powder 8, which is based on a real ski event, I think, from it's it's from somewhere out west. It's from uh, Jackson Hole, I believe. And it's basically, it, it seems silly when you see it in, in Aspen Extreme because you're kind of like, well, why do they have to practice all this backcountry skiing and ski all over the mountain and go out of bounds and ski glaciers when the contest is about teams of two skiers skiing absolutely perfect figure eights in tandem with each other down perfect snow-covered bowls. Uh, but it turns out this is a real ski competition that existed for a number of years out in Jackson Hole, and I guess they just recently started doing it again. And it is pretty cool to watch them do it. And it turns out to be one of those things that's actually a little bit more complicated than it first looks. And that's sort of the showdown and also the uh, the coming together for the TJ character at the end of the film, where he finally competes against Franz and Franz's partner in the Powder 8, which was a dream that he and Dexter had had when they first arrived, et cetera, et cetera. And it also provides an opportunity for him to uh, come together with Terry Polo. So the ski footage is really, really worth it. And if you watch the film, as I hope you will, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, there's also plenty of amazing outfits. This is a scene where Bryce and TJ, TJ's in love with Terry Polo. So <laughs> Bryce books him for the day in order to see him because he's, he won't see her. I wish I could describe what she's wearing. It's a, God, it's like a catcher's chest protector with a cowboy belt and industrial rivets with a fur top and fur cuffs and tiny little ski pants. I mean, you have to see it. <laughs> and um, a little of the directorial flourish just next to Bryce in this shot uh, is a sign that says ski area boundary. Do not cross a little foreshadowing there for our beloved guy, TJ, and what's about Famous to happen family. to him. Where are you going? I have a private lesson. I know. I hired you for the day. Kind of manipulative, right? But hey, that's how they, that's how he ends up falling back into her bed and terrible things happen from there. So uh, <laughs> I, I just want to reiterate, I think that you know, Paul Gross is a really winning actor in this. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how good he is. Um, he had a long career. He he was on that show about the Canadian mounted cops that was pretty successful for a while. Um, full respect to Paul Gross. Like, he really is a very compelling leading male actor. 
And he's really a lot of why Aspen Extreme rises above what, if you listen to the director, Hollywood Pictures pushed it to be. But he retains enough of what Patrick Hasberg's own experience must have been. And he's so likable and he's so willing to be uh, vulnerable and kind of in process towards maturity that it's really compelling. And he's really good with Peter Berg. He's really good with everybody in the cast, which I also think is a very telling aspect for an actor. Uh, he's not just sucking all the charisma to himself on screen. He's really giving in his scenes with other actors and he's allowing them to be their characters. And he's a big reason why the movie works. And so, yeah, you have some things that occur. Uh, I've decided not to reveal those. I want you to watch the film and see what happens. But basically, you know, small town life gets the best of decks and he needs to be sobered up and uh, returned to form and friendship saves the day. And it all leads to the, <laughs> my favorite line in the film. Skiing's the easy part, Carl. You know, again, okay, is it a cheesy line? Yes, but it completely works because of the commitment and the belief that Paul Gross has. Skiing's the easy part, Carl. I want you to quote this line like I do. I'd like to make this a thing. So whenever you're confronted with maybe a thorny life issue and someone asks you, you know, can't you just focus on thing A? You can just say, you can look at them and bite your lower lip like Paul Gross and say, skiing's the easy part, Carl. And when they look at you in the same confused way that Carl looks at TJ, you just exit because you know, you've made your point. Aspen Extreme, skiing is the easy part, Carl. Um, it's worth it, man. I'm telling you, I'm totally on board. I, I thought I was gonna watch this and have to do an episode about the cheesy appeal of Aspen Extreme and defend it as sort of a guilty pleasure watch. But I honestly think it's a really good film. And I think if you watch it, you're gonna feel the same way. It's, it's, it's not a cheesy ski movie. And you will have enough late 80s, early 90s fashion reminiscences to keep you interested. Um, stick around for the amazing ski sequences. And I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. The thing I just wanted to end on was Janet Maslin's New York Times review of Hot Dog the Movie. She described it as, quote, light and less moronic than it might have been. Well, damning with faint praise indeed there for Hot Dog the Movie. Sorry, Frazier. But give Aspen Extreme a watch. I'm going to be back in the following week with an episode about the film The Queen, because Queen Elizabeth has just died yesterday. Twitter is uproar. I love the film, The Queen. It's kind of a comfort watch for me, which is a weird thing. I want to get into why that is. Uh, but it's that kind of movie, that kind of 90s feeling, even though it's probably a 2000s movie. But it's kind of that just well-constructed kind of middle-of-the-road film that's not trying to be you know, artistically superior, but that's really skilled at telling stories and using actors uh, of great skill to do so uh, that I'm a sucker for. So on the occasion of the Queen's death, I thought it would be a great time to revisit that film. And I also got a couple other episodes cooking up with my friend Bruce Edwards. We're going to be taking a clear-eyed and new look at the original Star Wars film. You know, doing um, 
doing Heat, which is one of my favorite, favorite films, has been really instructive because I hesitated to do it, as I say at the top of that episode, because it means so much to me. I thought, I can never do this film justice. And even having done the episode, there's so many things I didn't get to talk about. I could have gone on for two more hours. But come to find out, an episode that I was sort of reluctant to even record, well, it's gone gangbusters. I mean, it's going to be the fastest episode to 1,000 downloads in a little bit more than a week and a half than I've ever had on the pod. And the response has been crazy. Uh, people who do follow the pod have really written and, 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 and written really smart and interesting things about it, um, about the episode and about the movie. But also people that I, I guess have discovered the pod through that episode have also been super complimentary. So it was really instructive. Now, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. I think you can hear that if you listen to our Close Encounters episode with Chris. I, I sort of had the revelation in watching Close Encounters for the episode that, you know, I was a Close Encounters kid. I was not a Star Wars kid. To me, that's two different things. I was Star Wars was never a big part of my life. Um, I don't care about it that much. I think Rogue One is probably the best overall Star Wars movie ever made. But I'm intrigued to rewatch it to delve a little bit into the making of and talk with Bruce, who also is not a Star Wars fanboy. Um, and let's have a clear-eyed appreciation of the first Star Wars movie without, like, you know, killing it for not being this, that, or the other. I mean, it is just an enjoyment and entertainment, and I want to make sure that we pay homage to that. So we're going to be doing that. And I think that the Heat episode has given me uh, some room to tackle some other films that are feel really big, but that I think uh, really move me and that I want to talk about. So I think I will be doing Blade Runner 2049. I will be doing uh, Fincher's Zodiac, which is a, uh, such an amazing film. So I'm doing some prep work for all things like that. Now, if you're new to the pod here, I just want to put a pitch in. There's an episode just for you. You can look for it. It's called If You're New to the Pod, Start Here. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. That gives you a little bit of a, a map to learn about all the different types of episodes that we have here at Full Casting Crew. And as ever, you know, we're never going to run any ads. We're never going to inundate you with uh, other nonsense that gets in the way of whatever value may be contained within these episodes. So all I ask for you is um, tell somebody, send send a, send a, a friend of yours who's a fan of a particular movie or a type of movies. If they love ski movies or they love skiing, send them a link to this, get them watching Aspen Extreme and maybe get them hooked on the pod. Uh, thanks again for listening and we will touch base next week. And until then...